Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 56 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter, and We've had a lot of questions come in about PCNL coding. And, uh, you know, we Mark was just mentioning that it seems like there's a resurgence in PCNL coding and, I mean, PCNL treatments out there and see, seems to be a lot more um, uh, higher frequency and a lot more people uh, doing the PCNL treatment. So, Mark, do you want to share kind of your thoughts and then also share what the coding is and uh, and how everybody should uh, look at it and what we should do. All right. Um, I certainly will. Well, so uh, I, it, I, we've been getting a lot more questions recently on a pro on how to code PCNLs. Um, and, um, it, you know, it, it seems to me, and I, this is totally anecdotal that, that there are more PCNLs being done, um, um, recently than, than has been in the past. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if this is uh, an issue related to the pandemic and people kind of holding off their urology care. So um, so we're getting some bigger stones or harder to deal with things or if this is a, a, a more of a, of a clinical trend going forward. But it does seem uh, to me that we're we're seeing more PCNLs out there and getting questions on PCNLs from a lot of different folks. So um and and then of course there was there's the confusion i think that is kind of uh, a hangover from the code changes so you remember back in 2019 um they introduced the two new access codes the 50436 and the 50437 and they retired or deleted code 50395 so which was the access code that was used previously. And the explanation overall was that they wanted to differentiate um, uh, more clearly between um, the establishment of uh, percutaneous um, access to the kidney uh, that was de novo or uh, one that was really more about dilating an existing tract. And, th- and that's why the four, 504, 36, and 37 were, were put in place. Um, at the same time, though, they clarified that code uh, codes 50080 and 50081, which are the codes for percutaneous nephro, uh, nephrostolithotomy or pyelolithotomy, whatever, um, hard to say, um, uh, uh, include the approach um, because you can't do a percutaneous uh, nephrostomy um, or removal of a stone without actually doing a percutaneous approach. So um, they clarified that, in fact, those 50436 and 50437 are really only for those cases in which the access to the kidney um, was provided by uh, another physician or a different physician. So if urology is establishing their own access for the PCNL, 
there is not a separate code. And this is, you know, kind of goes back to CPT basics, if you will. You know, you can't do a cystectomy without doing a, an open cystectomy without doing a laparotomy. There's a code for a laparotomy, but you can't bill those because it's an approach. So the there is no uh, coding if the urologist does their own access for the access. And then you've also got to take into account that the PCNL code itself um, in the description says with or without dilation, endoscopy, lithotripsy, stenting, or basket abstraction. So um, it basically includes virtually all of what you typically would do with a PCNL. Um, it, it's a packaged code. Um, and then, the, so the only differential between the 8.0 and the 8.1 is size, right? So anything under two centimeters goes under the 8.0. Anything greater than two centimeters goes under the, the 50081. Um, now, there is one piece of the, of the puzzle that does allow for extra billing, um, and that is the placement of a nephrostomy tube that, it, that remains with the patient after the procedure is done. So you'll notice that it includes dilation, endoscopy, lithotripsy, stenting, or basket abstraction, uh, back, basket extraction, but it does not include the insertion of the nephrostomy tube that is left behind. So that code is 50432. So um, that is probably what I see billed together most frequently and supported by the documentation as the 50081 with the 50432. Um, but if you're not leaving a nephrostomy tube behind, then you don't build a 50432. So um, it's actually fairly straightforward. I think overall the confusion is, hey, man, how come the the radiologist, if interventional radiology, puts the tube in? There's two codes, and a, when a urologist does it, there's only one. Well, um, the alternative would be that you would end up split billing the 50080 would between the interventional radiologist and the urologist, which would be a nightmare um, in the overall process. So even though it doesn't result in higher payment, the flip side is, is if somebody else establishes the track for you, it does not result in lower payment. So um, it's a it's a, you know, it's one of those things that uh, ultimately is the way it is, not necessarily equal and fair across the board, but does uh, cover those circumstances. Which one are you seeing more often or which have you heard more people doing, uh, just doing it all themselves, uh, the urologist doing it all themselves or split, splitting it up? Uh, it, it really, uh, by institution, it depends on how available interventional radiology is. Um, and, you know, that I think is uh, mixed with, there are some uh, urologists that really feel they can, they can actually do a better job and do it fairly quickly to establish their own. So a, a combination of the two are leading uh, uh, more people out there to actually um, do it themselves. Um, but um, if it, interventional radiology is available, I, there are still folks that are using interventional radiology. So it really is variable by institution, I think, or by, by location. Well, Mark, to clarify, uh, you've made it clear that if the urologist uh, 
does both the access and the surgery, they charge only the one code or the second code if you leave in a tube. But if the radiologist is the one that provides the access, which code do you use? Well, you'd still bill the 50081 or the 50080 um, because you're still doing the procedure and they just you know, there's no reason to put a modifier 52 or anything because you didn't do the approach. It's the, but the interventional radiologist is going to use the 504 uh, code. And that's made clear in the definition, which says it's with or without the dilation and the uh, access. Yeah. You Very mean the, 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 the 504, 36, and 37. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing that, that uh, I, I guess I occasionally I would add on all this stuff is, you know, the, the, the radiologic guidance to establish the access and grab the stone um, is typically bundled in. Um, but diagnostic radiology, so if you do a diagnostic read, of the stone size and placement and you're doing that um, either before or after the procedure um, as long as it's truly a diagnostic radiologic service you can bill it separately but if it's part of the procedure the guidance those types of things then um, you should not be charging extra for that or putting another code down you know what's interesting about uh stone coating in general i'm going to kind of bring us back uh, uh, up a level um you know we've been down in the weeds with the pcnl but uh you know what what we've noticed or what the trends are in when we do a article or a blog or a podcast or something on stones that that tends to be one of the higher accessed uh, uh podcast or blog or article and there seems to always be a question and confusion around stones in urology coding. Uh, is there, is it, why do you think that is? Is it just confusing in general or what's the, what's the reason why stone coding is so, get, get, it's just so confusing, I guess. So I, I think it's because um, urologists feel like they're not paid enough to deal with the stones um you know and, and you know the 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 coating is for the most part all inclusive right that so we don't we're not allowed to charge for the removal of 15 stones in the kidney with 15 different charges there's no add-on for that um so the the variation that goes into the work of of stones and the way stones are treated now really is not captured well in the reimbursement. And, and I think that's what really drives that the main part of those questions is trying to figure out how to get paid accurately for the effort that you go through um, in treating those stones. And, you know, the same with this 50081 and 8.0, you know, it's extra work to establish your access and yet you don't get paid anymore. So there's, you know, there's kind of that disconnect of work and effort relative to variability and payment because it's 
You remove one, you get paid. And then if you remove 15, your only real option is to add a 22 um, and hope that the payer pays you better. So there's just, I, I think that's really where a lot of it stems from. And then secondarily, you know, we do have multiple ways to, to get at stones. You've got S-Wall, you've got endoscopy, you've got PCNL. So, you know, different approaches, different folks. So, but I think the majority of it is just feeling like, man, there is not an appropriate remuneration for the variability in the procedure. Well, and you got left side, right side, as well as uh, yeah. kidney versus ureter, you know, et cetera. So, and different there, there globals are. for different procedures. So, yeah, that's. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of options in removing a stone, and that means there's a lot of codes. And sometimes uh, they've they've really split the hair on what you can get paid for and what you can't. What's your approach, Mark? Just uh, you know, you know, is, do you have an overall approach when somebody tells you about a certain situation? Are you looking for location first, or? approach or um uh, number of stones or what what like when you somebody asks you a stone question what's the most how do you go down that thought process is there a specific way or is it just experience well i, I mean i think it's like with anything you're looking at um approach is key because that's going to define kind of where you're starting and and by approach, I mean, was it open outside the body? Was it a scope? So, and then and then approach from you know wh where did you get it? You know where where did you gain that access? So there's there's two parts to that question, but generally they fall into the approach side. And then um, the other piece you're going to find out is location, right? Where was the stone or stones? Where were they when you started? Um, not when you finish, but when you started. Uh, so that's another key uh, finding that you need. And that includes right, left, ureter, where in the kidney those stones are. So approach and location are the first couple of questions that I go through. And then depending upon whether that approach, uh, where, you know, the approach was there or not, um, that then the question becomes what was the size and was it documented um, in some cases? And then the last one would be, yeah, was this, you know, how unusual was this or was this a normal thing? You know, can we use that 22 modifier or not? Once we find out what we what codes we can build, then we start looking for what other modifiers are there that we can potentially add that 22 to get uh, a, a prayer for some additional payment um, for those cases that are unusually difficult. And Ray, you've answered a ton of these stone questions over the years. What's your, what's kind of the most common misconception that you can, can you generalize that? Well, the, the, yes, it's knowing what you did, but not being able to describe it because it doesn't fit the mold. Uh, or you've done more than you think the code that fits the mold uh, actually reports and you know I think Mark went through the matrix all together everybody knows the organ then everybody knows the location 
But then when you get down to the details of exactly how you did it and how many things that you did, you can charge for. You know, it, a lot of it comes back to the to uh, what's included in the the global payment for that code that describes what you've performed and the service provided, and then other things that you did that you may or may not be able to charge for, which you have to sort of ferret out in the bundling matrix and determine what was a part of the main procedure and what's an exception to the part of the main procedure. It's the devil's in the detail in this case. Well, it's kind of, kind of, you know, funny if you're going through the, uh, a lot of the examples that you use in your co your coding course or, you know, in our seminars, we do use a lot of stone examples because there's a lot of different things that, uh, that it can illustrate, you know, between modifier usage and bundling and, and all the different, uh, you know, open and, and scope procedures. I mean, it just has a lot of that coding uh, detail that, that can be addressed in that. So, so a lot of the examples we're using are stones. Questions can be answered by the coder or the physician by asking themselves a few simple questions. And re remember one truism. The truism, it is what it is. <laughs> and if you read the CPT book, you identify what the payers feel you have been paid for and everything related to that procedure. And then you only try to charge the extras and you look at the bundling matrix encoding today or whatever you use to check out the bundling edits. Uh, you find out what you can charge, what you can't charge, and what modifiers are needed. All right. Mark, anything else to add? Uh, no, not, 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 not on this subject. I think we've, we've covered it again. Um, <laughs> and and hope, hopefully we've, we've once again shown a little bit of light on everything that's there. It's, I'm sure it'll come up again and, you know, it's one of those things that we'll have to revisit every once in a while just to make sure everybody stays on, on target. And, of course, we can always count on the payers to uh, play with the rules. Um, <laughs> so, Absolutely. so we'll have that to deal with. Yeah, and, uh, and, and if you have questions on stones, um, please ask it on the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group on prsnetwork.com. We'd love to hear them. We love to get the, that information out there. And then you can see, also visit the group to see what others are asking about the stones because there are many, many questions that come up. Um, Ray, any final thoughts? Well, the, the follow-up to the truism I mentioned, it is what it is. And that, in particular in stones, you have to remember that when you're coding and billing, you have to leave fairness and logic on the outside table because it doesn't always apply. A nice common theme with coding. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for this. I'll do a couple of small housekeeping uh, items. We 
registration is open for our urology advanced coding and reimbursement seminar uh, in Las Vegas in December and also in New Orleans in January. Please join us. We have these discussions and many, many more down at the uh, at the seminars. So uh, we look forward now that we can all get together again to seeing you in person and having those discussions. Uh, the optimizer series uh, is one that we're uh, we've put together, and uh, we're covering different aspects of the urology practice and how to make that more efficient. And one of the things that we're covering or the thing we're covering in the optimizer series two is uh, session two is metrics, you know, learn what metrics you need to, to, to monitor what metrics, what do they mean? So what do the different uh, numbers mean in the metrics? And, you know, give you, we, we also will give you, you know, how you compare to others. And obviously there's situations where you might have a, uh, a higher benchmark because you have a certain, uh, you know, way you practice that explains it. And so you got to look at all aspects, but you should know where you fall in relation to the other practices out there just to make sure that you're looking at everything you need to look at to help your practice be as efficient as possible. Um, Mark, anything yeah, to add on uh, what else you're covering? Yeah, that, on? yeah, that those metrics are really focused on the RCM, the revenue cycle management oh, functionality, yes. which touches you know virtually everyone in the practice. And you know we pe- preach team across the board, but you know revenue cycle management touches everybody from the front staff, your check-in uh, folks, to your AR team with your clinical in the middle. So you know it's all it, it, it's all parts of the practice and trying to use those metrics to focus in and, uh, you know, prioritize your limited time to, to optimize your practice by solving problems one at a time um, is really kind of that approach. So that's what we're covering. Very good. And you can go to uh, prsnetwork.com forward slash 056 for uh, episode 56 and get links to how to sign up for the optimizer We'd love to have you there. It's uh, going to be the Thursday, the twenty fourth, June twenty fourth at ten. I mean, at uh, one p.m. Eastern time. So, love to have you join us. Go to prsnetwork.com forward slash zero five six. And with that, Ray, final word to you. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.